0: Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, December 18, 2023, one week before Christmas. Alistair Crook joins us in just a moment on Does Netanyahu Have an Off-Ramp planned for Israel for himself? But first this. Can you believe the chaos confronting Americans today? The government is out of control. Debt is out of control. And have you heard... The dollar is under attack, this will soon be replaced by digital currency no more paper cash. It's coming fast, so you need to get educated in other ways to protect and preserve the wealth you already have. What happens if the government destroys the United States dollar? I don't know, but I do know they can't destroy gold or silver or the value of it. That's why it's so important that you learn now how to transfer your wealth into gold and silver. So educate yourself about investing in precious metals. Take charge of your retirement with Gold backed IRAs, and you can transfer a portion of your existing IRAs tax and penalty free. So don't procrastinate. Take control. Do the right thing for you and your family. Go to LearJudgeNap.com or call 800 511 4620. Alistair, uh, welcome to the show, uh, my dear friend. Um, Who who has more staying power uh, in Gaza? The idf and prime minister netanyahu or hamas
1: i th- think it's without a doubt i think hamas has the staying power. um i don't think they have been badly um degraded by the military operations um i'm told and i can't vouch for the figures but maybe they've lost one to three thousand men out of thirty thousand uh, that they started with so it's not a huge loss. Um, they continue to harass and they impose casualties on the Israeli forces. Now, um, they are prepared for a long fight, whereas Netanyahu is under pressure and will be increasingly under pressure, both um, from Biden administration and from other states, international states, um, to start a ceasefire and to get humanitarian uh, help it. So I think the 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 uh, the time issue favors Hamas.
0: <clears throat> Is there uh, a consensus uh, that Bibi has Netanyahu has erred substantially by the reckless, catastrophic uh, behavior of the Ida, much of which with no legitimate military purpose? such as destroying
1: Hamas cemeteries? <laughs> Certainly, I mean, yes. I mean, just to be fairly f- brutal about it, there's no logic to what's happening Gaza, in Gaza at all. I mean, it's not, uh, it's not affecting, it's a, an attack on the civilian population. It is leveling, destroying buildings, which the Israeli military say you know could be used by hamas but it's not actually achieving any real objects it's not achieving the destruction of the hamas um, military uh, system it's not going into the tunnels it's not really it's not really taking doing anything that is logical in this it is simply uh, uh, an exercise in revenge and an exercise um, in hitting the the uh, the civilian And also everything else, hospitals, schools, bakeries, everything that supports civilian life. Um, But just to be clear, I mean, the polls continue to show in in Israel overwhelming 90% support um, for this, what is happening in Gaza from the Israeli public. In fact, if anything, the Israeli public feel it's not tough enough. So, I mean, this is the reality of where we are at the moment. What do those polls
0: show with respect to Prime Minister Netanyahu, personally, politically, and um, in, the near, in the near future?
1: Well, he, he's being criticized. He's being quite severely criticized for what happened on the 7th of October for <coughs> the intelligence failures and the military failures, although he's blaming the military and the intelligence service as the cause of those failures and said he didn't know anything about it till the morning uh, after. Um, So, uh, uh, but he's still in the polls, he's lagging. Um, So I think he he is desperately trying to survive. I think he wants to survive for the next two years. The next election is 2006, 26. And he is um, obviously trying to stir up this base. This is the Likud base and it's a hard right base. Remember it was Likud in 48 um, and Irgan and the other, if you like, uh, movements that was behind the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians uh, out of um, Israel um, (coughs) by violence and killing and driving them out um, beyond the borders of uh, Israel. So this is, a, this is the group. And he's having some success, it seems, because he talks now, you know, not about just Gaza and Hamas. He hardly mentions that. He's talking now that we are engaged. This is a new war of independence. This is a new <coughs> cosmic war against of good against evil. We're not fighting for Israel. Actually, we're fighting for Western civilization against barbarism. And there is a resonance. And he is succeeding in turning this whole thing into a sort of biblical, um, eschatological struggle um, against not just Hamas, but against all of the evil, which he would describe as sort of Coming from Islam or from Islamic civilization. Here, here he is. Uh, very recently, cut number four,
0: uh, Chris, uh, basically arguing that Israel is in a war for its own existence.
1: We are in a war for our existence, in which we must continue until victory, despite the international pressure and despite the unbearable cost that the war is exacting from us in our fallen sons and daughters. Did you,
0: um, in your years as as a diplomat, once meet with the founder of Hamas?
1: Oh yes, <clears throat> Sheikh Ahmed Yassin. What were the circumstances?
0: What were the circumstances under which that meeting occurred?
1: I asked to meet him. That's really, but of course, I was working for the European Union, so I had to take, um, get the permission and the consent of the High Representative and the twelve member states. It was twelve member states at that time, which they gave me because I, I, I said to them very clearly. You know, you're not going to be able to get any political solution to the Palestinian problem, you know, with Fatah divided from Hamas. Even if Hamas will not join in the negotiations, what you need from Hamas is that they won't sabotage them. They won't spoil them. And this was what was important. And therefore it was important to brief and to bring uh, alongside Hamas at that stage because the two were divided and they still are divided and were deliberately divided after 2006 by the antics of, of Blair and um, President Bush at the time who wanted them completely divided. They wanted Gaza to wallow in poverty and the West Bank to be a sort of model, modern state in a sort of consumer society mode.
0: Before we get to uh, what you uh, what your impressions were and what you learned from the um, founder of Hamas before he was uh, murdered, um, in 2006, the Americans and the British supported a popular election in Gaza, but they never expected the outcome that they got. And then when the outcome came about, Hamas got elected. President Bush, um, Secretary of State at the time, I believe, Condoleezza Rice uh and prime minister blair did everything they could to undermine to negate the free and fair elections that they had promoted because they didn't like the outcome do i have that right okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What
1: makes a life a
0: good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
1: You have it absolutely right. That is exactly what happened. They won the election, fair elections... It was a complete shock, and Condoleezza Rice said effectively, you know, this is what we meant by holding elections. We didn't want them to win it. And so then Blair produced the secret document or with um, the Americans, which the EU were not in, included in it, e- even though they had were engaged in this process, in, in in which he would see the complete sort of separation of the two, and the result of that was, of course, that the instruments of power remained with Fatah in the West Bank, but Hamas had the legitimacy and had the credibility on the streets. But the two never came together, and therefore there could never be any political movement forward. So it effectively destroyed any political progress from then, 2006 until today, nearly 20 years. When you uh,
0: met with the founder uh, of Hamas, Tell tell us about the meeting, and and tell us what he said. Hamas was and why it was founded, and what its purpose for existence is.
1: Well, if you have an image of a Hamas leader, um, and you've seen Sinwar or some of the other fighters, uh, then you can put it aside because it's completely um, at odds with what what was then at the time, the founder of Hamas, uh, the esteemed Yassin, because he was a paraplegic in a very sort of museum-quality wheelchair. Um, He was a slight figure, bent over. He had a hearing aid that always went off every two minutes and shrieked and wailed and made strange noises, and he was fiddling with that. Um, But he was also had a a sharp intellect. He was tough as nails. Trying to get some sort of agreement from him was, you know, pulling teeth. I mean, it was terrible. But he was was, uh, very clear about what Hamas was. And it was different from what you might expect. He said that Hamas is a liberation movement. He didn't say it was an Islamic movement, In fact, he said it wasn't an Islamic movement. It was a liberation movement for people who are occupied. And he said, so Christians can join it. Druze can join it. I could join Hamas if I wanted as a liberation movement. And this was quite at odds, if you like, with the ethos of the time, which was Islamist. That is political Islam, which has dogma and it has an ideology. And he was rejecting this um, completely. He imposed no dogma, no straight thought. It was about liberating people under occupation. What is Hamas?
0: I mean, is it is it a political party? Is it an ideology? Is it a culture? It's got to be more than just uh, the people who invaded Israel on October 7th. Yes, I,
1: I mean, it, it is it has, a
0: legitimate? Is it? I'm sorry. Is it a legitimate governing government?
1: Well, it, it it used to. I mean, in the up to 2006, they intended to govern, and that's why they fought those elections. But that was really overturned by Condoleezza Rice and Blair. And I remember attending a meeting uh, very recently after that um, with um, the Hamas uh, supporters. And the leadership was there uh and the the young were really antagonistic and they kept pointing at the leaders and said did you really believe were you so naive you thought the west would ever let you administer this territory yeah. and they said the only thing to do is to burn it all down burn it completely and start again and so Uh, this was a reaction to their failure to be able to govern or to practice governance. They'd wanted to do that. Uh, And so that was a turning point. It was a change and they became basically a liberation movement. But what's very important is, so it it is in a sense a a liberation movement uh, and it is, um, if you like, a representation or in following al-Aqsa linking it to Al-Aqsa. They're linking it to the whole Islamic civilization of the last thousand years or so, this long period of a great civilization in science and literature and poetry and so on like this as well, but by linking it not to a particular movement or branch of Islam, so to Al-Aqsa, which is the icon of this whole civilization, but it's not Shia, it's not Sunni. It is not Muslim Brotherhood. It is not Wahhabi. It is not Salafist. So they very cleverly, I mean, they've given it a sort of Islamic cultural tone, but no ideology, no dogma, no, if you like, doctrine um, for, for that. Anyone who is Muslim, anyone who's Christian and wants to join in the liberation from occupation as he said, was free to join it. And this is why it's so potent at the moment, because, you know, it actually really very much chimes with what's happening all around the world, where we have this sort of, what I call, you know, it was a successor to the Bandung movement from the 50s, but it is a new independence, if you like, um, push, that is coming from the global south and from from all around the world. They don't want to be, if you like, under hegemony. They want to break loose from Western hegemony. They don't want any more of colonialism. Um, they want to gain, regain their sovereignty. And this is uh, so, uh, if you like, uh, Hamas gelled very well with the, the, the wider ethos that is promoted both by China and Russia and the BRICS as a whole. So it's something which has much wider ramifications and i think it explains why so many on the ground you know in the rest of the region i mean the huge support there is now for hamas if it was just for the muslim brotherhood or a particular orientation of islam it wouldn't be there but they're standing for something bigger they're standing for something more important if you like it fits very well with this whole idea of you know, moving from a, multi, a unipolar world to a multipolar multipolar world, a multipolar world um, of civilizational values. Their civilizational values in this case, the values of Islam, not precisely defined, but as a project that has been in existence for a thousand years and more.
0: Can uh, the IDF defeat Hamas? Or is that like trying to catch all the butterflies in the world? I mean, is it, is, it, is, an, is it an idea that obviously can't be defeated? Some of the people who embrace the idea can be killed, but the idea can't be liquidated.
1: Exactly. It's an idea. It's a spirit. It's a sort of sense of justice. You know, justice in the big sense of the world. Um, the pursuit of justice and the pursuit of the independence of uh, human beings. So it has a huge, um, if you like, appeal, and cannot be defeated in that way. I'm not even sure. Sorry.
0: Does the Israeli public expect the Netanyahu government to defeat, crush,
1: eradicate an idea? Uh, Yes. Uh, That is the expectation. And the expectation is that, um, that when... If you like, when the Palestinians look around at Gaza and see the destruction, when they see everything destroyed, schools, hospitals, everything, then they will turn on Hamas and they will turn against them. But that is the opposite to what's happened. Actually, the young people, the people in Gaza, you don't hear them. Criticizing Hamas, going against Hamas at all. And in fact, uh, the support for Hamas is spreading to other parts of the world, particularly in places like Jordan, also in Egypt. So, uh, no, it's not something that they can, they did think that, you know, if they, you know, that they would show the Palestinians such destruction, such loss of everything in their civilizational life, if you like, that, you know, bread and water supplies and everything, break all that, and then they would turn on Hamas, and they'd throw them out, and the IDF would kill them. But that hasn't worked.
0: Here is uh, an interview. It's It's a little testy and a little bit difficult to follow because they keep cutting each other off but it's an interesting uh, interview on British uh, television with the Israeli ambassador to Great Britain about um, two-state solution, Palestinians. Are there differences among the Palestinians? It's it's testy and irritable, but I'm anxious to hear your thoughts on it.
1: Two-state what, solution? What you Is there did. still
0: a chance for a two-state solution?
1: I think it's about time for the world to realize that Oslo paradigm failed on the 7th but of October, and we need to build a new one. And in order to build did, a new one... does that new one include the Palestinians living in a state of their own? Does, I think, is that what it I includes? I think the biggest question is what type of Palestinians are on the other side. This is what Israel no, realised on the 7th a state of October. Though? The answer is absolutely no, and I'll tell you why. Well, then, because how can, there, the be moment, in no, how can there be peace? How can there be The reason there is no peace Israel? is because the Palestinians... How could, without offering... a state to Palestine, how can there be peace in Israel? Israel knows today, and the world should know now, the reason the Oslo Accords failed is because the Palestinians never wanted to have a state next to Israel. They want to have a state from the river to the sea. So the two-state solution is dead. Why are you obsessed with a formula that never worked, that created this radical people in the other side? Why are you obsessed with that?
0: What do you think? Does does she does she represent the views of the Netanyahu government? I think the answer to that is probably yes. Does she represent the views of the Israeli people? I'll let you opine on that. Are her views views constructive?
1: No, I think you know that people you know who still got this image of Israel that did exist. You know the kibbutzes and the people who went to the kibbutzes and worked there in their summers have got a view of a sort of liberal. European, Judaism, um, and that's gone. It's a very different world now, and it'll probably surprise you, but what I will say to you is that actually she's right. Um, The Oslo Accords completely failed um, to produce a two-state solution. I've written long ago, I was trying to explain this to the European Union um, (laughs) nearly 20 years ago and saying, look, It's been failing for 17 or 20 years. Isn't it time you asked yourselves why it's been failing, what's wrong, and what the problem is? Because you can't just go on saying two-state solution, two-state solution like a sort of um, formula if you don't actually um, think about what you're saying and to think about what that means anymore. So the two-state solution has failed. And what, in a sense, and this is what I've been Uh, writing a little bit about is you know that actually the israelis think they've done a two-state solution it is actually an apartheid solution that they've done um that it was operating this was how they would do it it was in if you like it was enforcement it was deterrence it was if you like control and the separation into small groups of palestinians uh, and this is what they envisage would work but what's ended it now was predictable if you look at the demography there are 7.3 million palestinians on the land and 7.3 million jews it's parallel in demographic terms but of course the palestinians have much higher birth rate Uh, than the Israeli even the orthodox Israelis Um, and so they don't this this paradigm of if you like an apartheid state isn't going to work anymore because I mean quite clearly soon um, the Palestinians will outnumber and then they will demand same rights same privileges same political positions uh, as the Israelis And that's what they won't accept, and they won't have that. And that's why it's coming to an end. And this is why, increasingly, you're getting the Israeli public. What else can they say? Well, this isn't working. It's not gonna work for us. The solution to state solution isn't really available. So the only thing is to clear the land of all the, take, get rid of all the Arabs out of the end, not ethnically cleanse it, and then we'll be safe and then we'll be all right. Now, uh, they tried that in 48 and it didn't work. And I predict it won't work if they do try it again now. But you can see the logic of of, uh, where they are because the whole Oslo process was based on the Palestinians, if you like, assuring the security of the State of Israel. The Palestinian Authority was set up as a sort of Vichy force that would provide Israel and cooperate with Israel and arrest Palestinians and turn them over to Israel for imprisonment. And that's what's been happening. But increasingly, the Palestinians are getting more and more tense and more and more unhappy with their situation and more and more ready to rebel against all of this with an uprising, with an intifada, or or what have you. And um, there is no... Uh, So the whole paradigm that the Israelis relied on of this deterrence and enforcement uh, and the vision of the Palestinians separated in separate roads, separate structures, separate areas has collapsed. It collapsed on the 7th of October uh, this year. And now they have the same problem in the north. They have the same problem in Gaza and they have the same problem in the West Bank. And this is why when Netanyahu says the sort of thing that you said to, uh, uh, you showed us just now, it, it resonates with many Israelis. And they say, okay, if we can't get a two-state solution, if it's no longer available, which they generally believe, and I think is true, that the only alternative is population removal. Clear them all out. Does Netanyahu
0: have an off-ramp? I mean, at uh, some point, at some point, the war has to end, and whenever it ends, uh, Hamas will come back. What is Bibi's off ramp, either personally, politically, or geopolitically?
1: Well, he needs um, sort of two off ramps. I mean, the first one is he needs an off ramp out of out of Gaza because he's not achieving the objectives that was he set for himself in in Gaza, which was the destruction of Hamas, and if you like the end of um, Gaza as a governing state. Um, and he, that is becoming increasingly obvious to um, to the Israeli public. So he needs an off-ramp out of there. He needs, if you like, let's call it a diversion rather than an off-ramp. And the diversion is going to be uh, in Lebanon, I suspect, because already the defense minister, has said very clearly, we must get the Israelis that were, if you like, removed from the north of Israel because of Hezbollah on the north. We need to get them back home. We want to get them back home, and I undertake to get them back home in January, next month, in other words. and But to do that, we have to remove Hezbollah from the south of Lebanon because all of these residents are very vocal. And the residents of Matula, for example, are saying, We're not going back. Of course we're not going back. Look at the fence. We can see the fence from our houses. And what's on the fence? Hezbollah flags. And the other side, Hezbollah fighters. We're not going to go back there. You have to remove them. And so he's undertaken, he says, if we can't do this by diplomatic means, then we will find other means to change the status quo in Lebanon between the River Letani and the southern border. If the Netanyahu government collapsed
0: uh, tomorrow because of uh, defections in, in the uh, coalition, uh, the governing coalition, uh, would Netanyahu uh, lead Likud and would he be reelected as prime minister?
1: Well, I mean, that's complicated because if he's no longer prime minister, he's subject to, to justice, right. and he might end up in prison and not leading Likud. But, you know, what I try and say, because the West always tends to focus everything. You know, the problem is President Assad. The problem is Putin. If only Putin's gone, everything will be all right. If only Assad is gone, everything will be all right. But I keep trying to say, you know, I mean, the government, the cabinet per se, has the overwhelming support of Israeli people. And they want, if anything, a tougher line against, uh, uh, as I say, it is becoming very much that of uh, demanding the population removal um, from West Bank and from Gaza, and also to remove um, the threat of Hezbollah from Lebanon. Now, if they start doing that, this is what's going on at the moment. Uh, Israel is trying to get the support of America and European states to the old resolution from 2006 that was never implemented that hezbollah must be disarmed and removed um across the litani anyone who thinks that's going to happen um you know, I have a bridge to sell you. <laughs> it's not going <laughs> Very clever, very clever. And it's called the uh, Brooklyn
0: Bridge. Been bought and sold many times. I think originally by the British. Only kidding. <laughs>
1: uh, Alistair, it's
0: a pleasure, uh, my dear friend. Thank you very much for joining us. An early Merry Christmas uh, to you uh, and your family. Thanks for all your great work. We hope you'll, even though it's a short week next week, we hope it can grab a little bit of your big brain uh, on this show. Thank you, my
1: friend. Thank you very much.
0: Uh, So we have coming up for you 10 o'clock Eastern, Ray McGovern, 11 o'clock Eastern, Larry Johnson, 2 o'clock Eastern, Professor Jeffrey Sachs, Judge Napolitano, on this week approaching Christmas for Judging Freedom.